Well, good morning, and uh, this morning we are in the uh, seventh and the final message of uh, the seven signs of who Jesus is, uh, the miracles that uh, John recorded in his in his gospel. And today we come to uh, the climax, the uh, most awesome miracle of all, revealing uh, to his disciples, to, to reveal it to his friends who uh, Jesus is and, and what he is about to do in a couple of weeks when he goes to the cross and dies for all of our sin, is buried, and then three days later he's going to come up out of that grave. And um, and last week uh, when we were together, I, I mentioned a, a verse in Psalm 63, verse 3. Uh, David says this, Your steadfast love is better than life. How did David come to that conclusion that God's love was better than living? Well, it wasn't when... The wind was at David's back, and he had no adversity, and he had plenty of food, and life was peaceful. No, David penned those words when he was on the run from King Saul, who's trying to uh, take his life. And as David was just alone in solitude, he said, your steadfast love is better than life. He knew uh, the glory of God in his life. And it, his life was all about uh, serving um, the God of the universe. You know, for us to come to that conclusion, to realize that his love is better than life, He's got to take us through some tough stuff. We don't learn that lesson when life is easy. When we're out on a lake and we're out in nature and everything's serene and and beautiful and peaceful. No, we learn that God's steadfast love is better than life when we've gone through some severe testing. And this morning, we're going to look at a family who is very close to Jesus. And he's he's about to take them through some severe testing that they never anticipated. Jesus has always been there for them. But this time, Jesus is going to delay And the very worst thing that they could imagine was going to happen. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at um, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Probably one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible. And this is the seventh sign that John records. We're going to look at the verse, first six verses. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days, two two days longer in the place where he was. Now I want to just uh, uh, stop there for a moment as we go through the the this chapter, John chapter eleven. There's uh, three words that uh, jump out in this chapter that I want to focus on uh, this morning. The first, first is love. And the second is death. And the third word is glory. Now I want you to notice in these first six verses that uh, uh, the word that jumps out is the word love. The Bible says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I mean, he was very close to this family. Uh, when he was traveling through this, this area uh, in ministry, he would oftentimes stay in their home. And they, uh, they took care of Jesus. And so you see in verse 2, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose bro- brother Lazarus was, was ill. Um, it's interesting that this, this situation, uh, Mary uh, anointing Jesus, this doesn't happen until chapter 12. But John wants to mention it here uh, to just indicate just how important uh, this relationship was between Mary and Jesus. I mean, they loved each other. There was an intimacy. Uh, there was... Um, a closeness there. Verse 3, we see, um, and Martha was the one that sent a messenger to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill regarding Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus. And then verse 5, the Bible says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there is a love relationship here. And so when Martha sends the messenger, Jesus, the one you love, is ill, they fully assumed that Jesus would be right there and wanting to heal, concerned about Lazarus and wanting to heal him. But the Bible says in verse 6 that when he heard Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's love. You would think that love would 
drop everything and go and be with Lazarus and heal him. Jesus had the ability to do that. Jesus had the ability to just speak the word. And he could be healed. Where Jesus was at the moment was about two days travel. Distance, geography was no big deal to Jesus. We've seen that in another sign, a miracle that Jesus performed. He just had to speak the word. But Jesus does nothing, and he stays two more days in that place. That's love. This is going to be severe love. This kind of love from Jesus is going to let Lazarus die. How can Jesus do that? And the reason is, my friend, is because Jesus, in this moment, wants to reveal more of who he is to his disciples and to those he deeply loves. And had just Jesus spoken the word, and Lazarus would be made well, or Jesus went and touched Lazarus, They would appreciate it. They they know that Jesus is the rescuer and that he's done this before. But my friends, Jesus is taking them to a deeper level. And this is going to be a severe kind of love. Look at verses 11 through 15. Verse 11, after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I go to awake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And uh, sleep in the Bible was uh, one way of describing death. And that's what Jesus was talking about here. But the disciples in- interpreted it a totally different way. And then verse 14, the Bible says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad. Now let that sink in for a moment. I'm glad that my friend Lazarus has died for your sake. That I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. And so we see the love of Christ and that this love delays him going and he allows Lazarus to die 
we're wondering why. Friends, often we, we measure God's love for us by our health, by our wealth, by our comfort. But love, but mainly God loving us is not by sparing us from those hardships, that suffering, or that death. That's not how God wants to express His love to us. And we appreciate it when God comes along and He heals. He rescues. Uh, he does something that we've been passionately praying for and we've longed for and God comes through. But sometimes God doesn't do that. And that doesn't mean that God loves you any less. One way God wants to express his love for us is showing us and giving us himself and his glory. That's how he wants to express and show his love for us. And if it's only based upon health, wealth, and comfort, then you know what? God must have hated the Apostle Paul. Because Paul experienced very little of those things. Oh, there were moments. But most often, Paul was destitute. And yet Paul knew that Christ was for him. Because he, Christ revealed so much of who he is in Paul's life that kept him going. So that's how we are to measure his love. Not by what he gives us, but who he is. And so we see love in the first 15 verses, and it is a severe kind of love. So I just want to encourage church. When Jesus doesn't come through the way you want him to come through, when things don't turn out, in fact, the very worst thing happens, don't think that God loves you any less. And that he's not for you and that he's not there. He loves you. The second word I want us to see this morning is the word death. Because this is Lazarus died. And it's now four days later since Martha has had sent the servant to say, Jesus, come. The one you love is ill. Jesus waited two days, and then it took another two days to get to Bethany. And in verses 17 through 35, uh, we see the emotions and what's going through uh, the hearts and minds of Mary and Martha. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. 
And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Jesus said to her, and Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's just stop right there for a minute and look at Martha. We see that uh, Martha is um, is disturbed. Uh, she says in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh, she's upset. She's disappointed that Jesus didn't come when he uh, was told to come. But even in her disappointment, she still believes in who Jesus is. She knows that whatever he asks of his father, that he will give. She knows that in the in the final days, there will be a resurrection. She knows that her friend, Jesus, is the Messiah, the Savior. Martha knows these things. But in her disappointment, in her darkness... Jesus wants to show her more. He wants to reveal more of his glory to his friend. Jesus says, well, Jesus said in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. In essence, what he's saying is, Martha, yes, there is going to be a resurrection in the end. But I want you to know right now, in your moment, in this present moment I am the resurrection and I am the life I am exactly what your brother needs and I am exactly who you need for me to be she was looking at Jesus as her future hope, but she was having a hard time connecting the dot, the dot that he was the resurrection in her here and now. She 
Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And friends, he, Jesus, wants to be the resurrection in not only Martha's life, but in your life. He wants to be resurrection now. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus wants to be alive. Jesus wants us to be raised with him and for him to live through us to be our all in all. He wants to be not only our future resurrection, but he wants to be our resurrection right now. He wants to be our life. He wants to be in our present. And what he's trying to encourage Martha is, he said, Martha, I'm not late. You think I'm late. You think that what's happened to your brother is far beyond me. That what I can do, uh, I've already reached that boundary. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am exactly what you need for me to be in this moment. I'm not late. I am right on time. Hear my words. See my glory through my words. She's still not grasping it. She doesn't know that Jesus can raise her brother from the dead. But Jesus is revealing his glory to Martha through his living word. This is what I can do. I'm here in your present. And then after he said those things to Martha, verse 28 when she had said that, when, when she had, well, let me go to verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She has kind of a, a bumper sticker kind of uh, uh, relationship with the Lord right now. She's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, Jesus, I hear you. I know that you've come into the world for us, but she's still not connecting the dots. And so verse 28, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met, met him. And when the Jews who were with him, her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with him, her her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. 
Martha is distraught. Mary is distraught. She runs out to where Jesus is when she hears the, the, the news that Jesus wants to speak to her. And the Bible says that Mary was crying. She was, and this word for crying is sobbing. And she is just so overcome with emotion. And she goes out and says, Jesus, had you been here, my brother would not have died. Hear the disappointment in her voice. Why weren't you here, Jesus? And the Bible says in verse 33 that Jesus Jesus is moved with emotion. He's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Why is he so troubled? Because there is so much grief in this moment. Mary is distraught, and those who have been controlling, consoling Mary, they're distraught too, and they all follow her out. And there's just this huge pool of emotion and hopelessness. And Jesus is deeply disturbed. The resurrection and the life is in their midst, and they don't know it. They have no hope. Have you ever been in an environment like that? Where it, there was just so much grief, and there was, there was no light. It was just all darkness. I'll never forget the memorial service I went to for a teenager in San Bernardino. It was at another church, and uh, I, I didn't know the uh, student, but uh, the student was acquainted with uh, some of the kids in our youth group. And uh, it was obvious that there was no testimony in this person who had passed away. And most of the friends who were in that service, there was no testimony in their life. And the, the uh, communicator, the, the pastor um, officiating the service, there was no hint of the gospel in that service. There were no words of hope. And I have, I've never heard so much crying and emotion in my life ever, ever since. That was probably 30 years ago. There was so much hopelessness. And I think that's what Jesus is feeling in verse 33. He's greatly troubled because they are people who have no hope. They're just overcome with emotion. And so we come to verse 35 or verse 34. And Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And in verse 35, the verse that we're all most familiar with and we have memorized, the Bible says, Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? We don't know for sure, but I'm, I want to say that uh, he is feeling the emotion, uh, the loss that the sisters have for their brother. 
he he sees what sin and death have done, has done to his friend. And the consequences of that sin in the world. And so he's he's feeling he's feeling this pain. He's feeling this loss with those that that he loves. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that. That Jesus is a God of emotion. And he feels what you feel. He's going through what you're experiencing. Oh, he's overcome. He's not afraid. Death has no hold. But he's sympathetic to what you and I go through. So the Bible says Jesus wept. Then verse 36, and so Jesus said, so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind Blind man also have kept this man from dying. That's what skeptics say. That's why what skeptics, that's the excuse that skeptics will give in not uh, surrendering or believing in the words of Christ. Because there's just so much loss, there's so much evil in this world. And if Jesus really cared, he'd do something about it. And you know what? He did. He died for that sin. All that sin, all that evil came upon him. He took the wrath of his father upon himself on the cross. Died for all that sin. Jesus cares. But these skeptics, they didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it. There's something else I want you to see. Is that even though Mary and Martha thought Jesus was late, Jesus wasn't late. He was right on time. And he showed up in their darkness. He showed up when they were Struggling the most. Has Jesus ever showed up in your darkness? Countless times. And I know that many of you could give testimony of how Jesus has shown up in your darkness. Christmas Day. Must have been 15 years ago now. Papa died. On Christmas Day, death doesn't take any holidays. I remember on the living room couch in my wife's parents' house, grieving with my wife and my kids, Papa's passing. But knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where where Papa was, Papa didn't die. He just walked through a door. Think of my dad. 
in that hospital room in, in uh, Clovis Community Hospital, and watching my dad take his final breath, and how hard that was, but Jesus was there in my darkness. He was my comforter. He was my peace. He was my resurrection and my dad's resurrection. He was my life. Gene Copeland, who reminded me so much of my papa, getting the call on Easter morning that Gene passed away. Jesus showed up in my darkness. And I knew exactly where Jean was and that Jesus was my resurrection and my life just as he is for Jean. I think when Susan's parents had passed away, Six months in between each other, they had passed. And that was a dark time. And I remember standing at the grave with my wife and my kids and watching my, my kids grieve because they lost their grand, grandparents. I want you to know, church, Jesus showed up at the graveside. He comes to us in our darkness and wants to say to us that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus will show up in your darkness. And sometimes he allows that darkness to occur because he wants you to know that he's far more than just a healer. He brings people back from the dead. No, I've not seen Jesus bring back any of my loved ones from the dead. But I want you to know that they are more alive today than they have ever been their entire life. And one day, one day I'm going to go and be with them and there is going to be a wonderful reunion for all eternity. This death for the Christian Actually, this death for all of us is not final. The Bible says we're all going to be resurrected again. But we're going to be resurrected into one of two places. Those who know Christ, have given their lives to Christ, they're going to be in heaven for all eternity. But there is another resurrection, a second death that's going to last for all eternity for those who rejected God's Son, Jesus. Death does not have the final word. 
But then the last word I want us to see in this chapter this morning is the word glory. Starting with verse 38, the Bible says, And Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. If you have, if you have the King James Bible, Martha says, Lord, his body stinketh. Don't open that tomb. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus is connecting verse 40 with verse 4 of chapter 11. When Jesus said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Martha still isn't getting it. Now, this is beyond what Jesus can do. And so verse 41, so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Jesus allowed his friend to die so that those, Mary and Martha, and those who are with, with them might see the glory of God in the person of Christ. Martha I am the resurrection and the life. And I am going to prove this to you by resurrecting your brother. I am the resurrection now. I am your life now. Martha, I don't want just to be just a part of your life. I want to be be your life now and for all eternity. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And John says elsewhere, Jesus is the eternal life. And when we know God, when we know Him, We have eternal life. Look at John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is the eternal life. 
John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Do you want to see the glory of God in your life? Do you want to know his resurrection power? Do you want to know his resurrection life, that he is your eternal life? Jesus says, he who he who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And the Father and I will come and make our abode with him. God will reveal more of who he is in your life as you keep his commands. And when his word is your life and darkness comes, when there is a severe love that enters into your life, It'll be hard. There'll be tears. Those around you will grieve. But Jesus promises to reveal more of who he is in that very moment. And be exactly who you are need for him to be. That's what we see taking place in this passage of Scripture. And John has written about all these signs because he has seen the glory of God through the person of Jesus. And he wants us to know this too. The Holy Spirit is inspiring John to write these words that we might see and know and believe the glory of God in Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son. He is the resurrection. Jesus went to that tomb. He prayed a bold prayer. He says, Father, thank you that you hear me. I know that you hear me. And I'm just saying this so that everybody around me might know this. But thank you, Jesus, for what you're about to do. And it's the very same prayer I I pray going fishing. I say, thank you, Lord, for what I'm about to receive before I catch my first fish. But here Jesus is at Lazarus' tomb. Thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer. And I'm going to show you guys right now exactly who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And with a loud voice, and I'm not going to scream loud like Jesus screamed loud, he said, Lazarus! Come forth. Come out. And he had to say Lazarus. Because if he had just said, come out, you know what? He would have emptied the whole graveyard. 
But he said, Lazarus, come out. The Bible says, Lazarus came back to life. Church, this is the trailer. This is a picture of the final resurrection. Now, it's not a perfect picture because Lazarus didn't come back with an immortal, perfect body. Jesus did a couple weeks later, but not Lazarus, okay? He came back with his earthly body, and, and one day it was going to die again at the final resurrection. Lazarus is going to get a brand new body. And all those who have died in Christ, we're going to get a brand new body that's going to meet our soul in the air with Christ. And we are going to be united with him for all eternity. This is a trailer of what is going to yet come about. But I want to close with just a word of encouragement. I don't know where you're at this morning, where some of you are. You're in a dark place. But Jesus, through this passage of Scripture this morning, is saying, I love you. I am here for you. This may be a severe kind of love. But you hold on to my words, my words of life, my words that bring forth life. Lazarus, come out. Trust me in your darkness. My love for you will not spare you suffering and death. That's not how we measure his love. We measure his love by how much he has revealed himself to us. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the living word of God that brings forth life. John asks, do you believe? Do you believe? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your living word. And for those, Lord, that don't know you, this is a this is a hard love to understand. But God, for those of us whom you have revealed yourself to us. It makes all the difference in the world. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage those who are in darkness. And, and God, they've been in darkness for some time. And they don't don't see light at the end of the tunnel. It's been more than four days, Lord. Jesus, you understand that. Jesus, you grieve with them. Because, Jesus, you know the consequences of this fallen world. 
you saw what it did to your your friend that you loved, Lazarus. And Jesus, you wept. Jesus, you weep for people in this room. Jesus, you know how it how hard it is for them to wait. God, show them your glory. May they know your presence. May they see you with spiritual eyes. That only your Holy Spirit can give to them. God, if there be one here today who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, may today be the day of their salvation. If that's you, if you know that Jesus died for your sin, that Jesus came back to life three days later, you believe that? Confess that. Confess your sin. Ask God to help you now to live for Him. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. Lord, be magnified in this this time of prayer and invitation and worship as we lift up Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to sing a song. If you need prayer this morning, we're in the dining hall. We would love to pray with you. But let's let's worship and know that Jesus' presence is here.